0: ghost hand was here looking for ya. Creepy little thing just knocked on my door. I swear it was a severed hand and it was blue and it was glowing. The hand motioned for me to follow it so I followed it down the hallway and then it stopped moving and pointed at your room. So you're telling me that the ghost hand wanted to talk to me? No, silly. Ghost hands can't talk. After a seemingly random encounter, My old partner D.B. Cooper and I hit the road. We were on our way to solve this case once and for good. We were on our way to the Holiday Inn. But before we went there, we stopped at the Waverly Inn because my socks had gotten wet and I really needed to change them. On our way back out, the chambermaid stopped me and told me she had witnessed something strange in my absence. It was a ghost hand, said the maid. A ghost hand that wanted so desperately to get into my room. Was it coming to kill me? Or was it coming to warn me?
1: Hey, Pete, we gotta pick up the pace
0: here. It's only like four hours to midnight. Well, three and a half, I guess. Okay, you're right, DB. Let's forget about the ghost hand for now and keep moving forward. All right, you big old lug. So here I am, standing in the middle of D.B.'s hotel room. The walls are covered with newspaper clippings from the murders, dating back to the very first victim in 1895. From the look of the room, it's like D.B. has been cooped up in here for months, obsessing over the case. There are crime scene files stacked up in neat, organized piles, covering almost the entire surface area of the room. The chalkboard is full of charts and maps and swirly lines that only DB can understand. So I turned on my trusty recorder
1: and listened. According to all the extensive research I've done here, the Pit Ripper can only be stopped by one thing. It's the amulet, Pete. The Emerald Amulet. Why? Because it belonged to his mother, and he needs it back so uh, he can rest in peace. Not that he deserves it. The problem is, this here amulet is locked away in an ancient tomb, ten feet below the earth. Nobody knows how to open this tomb, so I've been reading the Necronomicon, and it says that if I hum the tune of the Wilderbeast womb, then this spell will be temporarily broken. Capiche, Bada-bing, those tomb doors will open up, and we'll be go inside and get that amulet in there. But hey, let me level with you here, cracker jack. This ain't gonna be easy because there's gonna be goblins down there.
0: Okay, I'm gonna stop the story here because this is the perfect place to take a break, rewind, and learn more about the true history of this mysterious legendary man named Treat Williams, also known as D.B. Cooper. The identity of D.B. Cooper has been a mystery since November 24th, 1971. When a man calling himself D.B. Cooper hijacked and threatened to blow up a passenger jet flying from Portland to Seattle, he ordered the plane to land and demanded a $200,000 ransom and a parachute. After his demands were met and the plane took off for Mexico, Cooper did the unthinkable. He lowered the back stairs and jumped out of a speeding 727, thousands of feet, over the Pacific Northwest, during a raging storm. The man disappeared, and despite a massive manhunt, they never caught him. Since that day, D.B. Cooper has become somewhat of a folk hero. Iconic, even.
2: Hell, they
0: made a movie about him.
2: D.B. Cooper jumped from a 727 with $200,000 of the airline's money. Free, I'm back. To some, he was an outlaw. Great, Dad. The rain. To others, a hero. Famous now. But to all of us, he's still the one that got away. <laughs> the pursuit of D.B. Cooper. greatest right PG. Now playing at a theater near you.
0: This is one of those big cases, perhaps even the big case, where the FBI did not get their man. To this day, D.B. Cooper has never been identified by anyone, except me. Ten years ago, when I was living in Los Angeles, I met a very cool man, an actor named Taffy Williams, who later changed his name to Treat Williams. We almost instantly became friends, and we had a lot in common. One night, we went out and got really drunk, and Treat told me everything. He told me about the hijacking, the ransom money. He described what it feels like to jump out of a speeding airplane. And then, this quote-unquote Treat Williams told me his real name, the one he was most commonly known for at the time, D.B. Cooper. So, in case you missed it, the star of the 1981 film The Pursuit of D.B. Cooper is, in fact, Treat Williams as D.B. Cooper. This is no coincidence. Once or twice over the course of our friendship, DB talked about how hard it was to be a struggling actor in LA. He really needed some money to pay off his gambling debts, so he hijacked that plane, and he took the ransom money and used it to dig himself out of the gutter. He also used it to pay for facial reconstructive surgery. From that point on, D.B. has been doing quite well for himself, living as Treat Williams, the actor, the father, the lover. It didn't take long for everything to work out perfectly for him. His big dream was to one day play himself in a Hollywood movie, and that dream came true in 1981 when The Pursuit of D.B. Cooper premiered in cinemas all over the country. When I first met Treat, or D.B., whatever you want to call him, he was a successful Hollywood actor. He was also, like me, keenly interested in all things paranormal. And it was at his ski house in Vermont one night where we drunkenly hatched a plan to start our own paranormal private detective agency.
1: Hey, buddy. I'm really excited to be a paranormal detective.
0: I'm excited to be a detective, too. And I value our friendship, DB. Our friendship.
1: Wanna go skiing? I figure, hey, we're at my ski house in Vermont. Let's go ski.
0: When in Rome.
1: (laughs) Touche, Petey. Touche.
0: High five. We got to work fast on the project. DB Cooper invested a lot of his own money into it. We were doing well for the first 3 months. Solved a few missing person cases. We smoked a lot of cigarettes and well, we almost cracked open the Wolfman missing persons case of 1991. And I mean wide open. It was all over the news. For those who are unaware of the Wolfman MPC of 1991, here's a clip from our first day on the job.
2: Come in. Hello. I'm looking for the Pete and Treat Detective Agency. You've got the right place. You a drinking man? No. Well, I am. I'm here because I'm worried about my brother. He's gone missing. And I think his girlfriend had something to do with it. Yeah? And why is that? Well, she hit the road a few days ago. No one can get in touch. My brother is an ad- accountant. Yeah. Well, he's also a part wolf. Did you just say your brother was a wolf man? Yes, every time there's a full moon. And I think his girlfriend is somehow responsible for that too, turning him into a, a wolf man and all. Is she a wolf woman? No, but I have it on good authority that she is friends with other wolf men. Tell us more about this girlfriend of his. What's her name? Janet Gallagher. She's a stand-up comedian, so she's touring right now.
0: And is she aware that her boyfriend
2: has gone missing? I don't know. Like I said, I can't get in touch with her, but I do have this. My friend in Toronto saw one of her shows last night, and he recorded this video of a comedy routine she's doing on stage. Did you bring it? Yes, I have the tape here. Play it.
1: really good. My mother. I haven't spoken to her in 25 years.
0: We never did get around to solving that case. The wolfman was never found, and Janet moved to England. We didn't have any clues to start with, no evidence. The only thing we had was her comedy video, which we both enjoyed and watched several times. "'Yes, sir. Things were looking up for old Cooper and Schwartz. "'The sky was the limit, but then fate grabbed DB's hand and guided him elsewhere "'to the set of a TV movie called J. Edgar Hoover, in which he played J. Edgar Hoover. "'DB soon confessed to me that he was not going to have time to continue working with me as a PI. "'He suggested that I find a new partner.' That he'd help keep the agency running from behind the scenes, typical Hollywood talk. Anyway, I, I was heartbroken, you know? He was the best partner a dick like me could ask for. He was the best friend I'd ever had. Until I met Ray circa '94. When DB told me he was leaving, I lost my temper. I threw some things around the room, I, I pretty much ended everything then and there. Our friendship, our agency, everything. I hadn't seen D.B. in almost ten years, and now, here he, here he is, standing right in front of me, smoking, as always, drinking alcoholic cider, just like the good old days. So that pretty much brings us back to the present day. It's nearly two hours to midnight, and here we are, Schwartz and Cooper, on the case. Now, let's listen back in on our conversation from that night.
1: So, that's all we gotta do, buddy boy. We go back to that old graveyard, and read that cursed chant from the Necronomicon The tomb doors will open, and we go inside, we answer the Goblin's trivia questions, and they'll give us that amulet. Once we return the amulet to the Pit Ripper, he will disappear forever, and the curse is broken.
0: So, the amulet is all we need to stop
1: him? That's right, jack. We get the amulet, we give it back to the Pit Ripper, and I'm pretty sure he will go away. Uh, what do you say, partner?
0: I say you've got yourself a partner, partner.
1: Alright. How much time do we have left?
0: About two hours.
1: All right, punky Brewster. Let's get our asses in gear. Are you going to walk or drive?
0: We'd better drive. The weather is calling for freezing rain.
1: Oh, for the love of crap.
0: I'm sure some of you are probably wondering, Pete, you just revealed D.B. Cooper's identity on public radio. Why on earth would you do such a thing? The answer to that question and more is coming up next in the thrilling conclusion to the saga of the Halifax Pit Ripper's Ghost. Here's a sneak peek. This is Pete Schwartz signing off. Good night.